Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your two-time PACE award-winning hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Field Days podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by my co-host, a new member of the John Deere tractor family, Chris Gouts. What's up, Chris? How's it going? I knew you were going to bring that up. Yeah, I, I, I don't miss opportunities. Come on, man. <laughs> so, you know what's cool, Chris, is, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to talk with Director Washington last week, and we kind of talked about some, some things we could do with social media um, tied into the podcast, and you know, what, you, know, you know what she said. She wants to do a live Twitter chat. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, we can't wait to, uh, to have her on. She's going to start tweeting uh, herself from her account uh, at, yeah. at Heidi Washington. Yeah, and I think... Uh, so I if think you don't follow her, great follow. Soon to be really great follow. Yes, yes. If you don't follow her, please get on Twitter, follow at Heidi Washington so you can be involved in the Twitter chat. Um, date to be determined, but it will be soon, hopefully, and uh, we'll get that information out on the podcast, um, you know, through emails, and we'll make everybody aware of how uh, to get a hold of her, what hashtag to use, all the good stuff. And uh, But it's exciting that our director is going is to have a live Twitter chat. I'm not sure that any other director in uh, Michigan has, has done that yet. so I don't even know if friend of the pod, uh, Kevin Kemp, when he was director of Idaho, was doing something that progressive. Uh, we'll see. We need to make sure to get him on the Twitter chat because that, w- that would be a fun... Well, I, I'm, sure that he's, I'm sure that he's a listener now that he's a big wig at ASCA. But, uh, you know, encourage people to start thinking about your questions now uh, and then you can send us the questions uh, once, we, once we get that information to you about where the best place to send them is. But think about them now, what you've, what you've always been dying to ask the director. And uh, then you can get ready to ask him when we do the live uh, Twitter chat. That's right. And you know, it's budget season, Chris. What's going on with the budget now? Well, last week the the Senate subcommittee released uh, their version of the budget, which was drastically different uh, from what the the House and what the governor recommended. And the governor's recommendation is is what we support. And so there were a number of things in there that we um, took uh, issue with that we've made uh, clear about our. Our thoughts on the budget, uh, we've talked with reporters about that, we've talked with uh, members of the Senate uh, and the House and the Governor's Office, and so if you've seen stories over the last couple of days about what's in the budget, just know that this is this is one step in the process and that what the Senate produced is not going to be what the, the, the budget that the Governor ultimately signs, and that is a good thing because what the Senate budget does is endanger the progress that we've made by cutting successful programs that work and instead funding new programs that do not have a history or success or the metrics uh, to back up their claims. And so we have a lot of um, issues with this budget that we are going to be working on day and night uh, until this budget uh, makes it to the governor's desk so that we make sure that we can continue the progress that we've made at offender success at reducing the prison population safely uh, by more than 5% over the last couple of years. And so we're going to keep on those on those plans. There is not a closure that is part of the budget that was put in the Senate's uh, proposal, but it does talk about it in a roundabout way. Um, and one of those is providing some money to put towards a, a new facility. Um, and I think we all know which facility that that, that it is. There's really only two options. One is Standish and one is uh, the Baldwin facility that's owned by a private company. Um, 
the Senate put $4.3 million in that proposal to, to allow us to do that, when in fact you can go on our website and you can see that we did an extensive report last year that the legislature asked us to do that shows that the renovation cost for either facility would be north of $8 million, and the cost to purchase uh, the the facility in Baldwin is almost $100 million. And so it is not of any interest to, it is not in the taxpayer's best interest to do that at this time, especially at a time when we're, our prison population is declining. So we do share the same goal uh, of the Senate that we want to continue to lower our population to the point where we can close another facility. That's that's what we're doing as long as we can do it in a safe and, and efficient way. But right now and not next year, according based on our projections, do we see our population getting to a point where we can do that. Um, there's another number of other programs that we were hoping were going to be included and, and those that uh, we were not anticipating that have shown up in this budget. But like I said, um, we're going to be working uh, with our partners in the legislature to express our uh, deep concerns with some of those that are being added as well as some of the funding that's being cut to some of the programs that have, been, that have shown to work. So we've got a long way to go. And we'll continue to work on that, and we'll continue to keep you updated um, as this uh, uh, this issue progresses. Well, good stuff. You know, stand uh, you know stand by on the budget. We're still still in the process. So, uh, thanks for sharing that, Chris. We, we I'm sure everybody appreciates hearing um, that from our spokesperson. So, good stuff. Well, on top of that, Chris, I'm excited to talk about um, you know what tomorrow is. Right? Please tell me you know what tomorrow is. I do know what tomorrow is because somebody in my office was able to. Tell me what it was. Keep it on my calendar. Good, 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 good. So tomorrow is, wait for it, it's Administrative Professionals Day, Chris. And you know what that means, right? Every prison, every field office, really every office in general, whether it be MDOC or not, has these, and some lucky ones have more than one administrative professional in their office. You know, that's true, but sometimes, sadly, you know, they're taken for granted, and sometimes there can be no appreciation for the work that they do, and they're just there, you know, working dutifully behind the scenes. Um, Though without them, these offices would completely fall apart. Uh, Would yours if you didn't have uh, Christine? Uh, Yes, and and, and previously in other offices I've worked in, they have fallen apart, so I can speak to that uh, firsthand, yes. I know know our office would, uh, Sandy, who uh, is in the the director's office, I would have no ability to function in my job if she wasn't there for me to lean on and and to ask for for help. And because that's because they perform an absolutely critical function, uh, like you said, in keeping these offices and the others who work there going. You know, you're right, Chris, and some days, you know, obviously probably more than than we should, uh, their work goes unheralded. The thank yous just aren't there, and especially in corrections, which is kind of a, you know, it's a paramilitary organization. It can be assumed or expected that the work is supposed to be done and they should be happy to have a job, they get good benefits, and no thank yous are necessary. Yeah, you know, they just go about their day, and many times they do work and then go above and beyond what is even asked of them or or what's not even asked of them. Uh, You know, they just do it because they know that it needs to get done. Well, having said that, it's, it's very... I guess we're both very thankful, and everybody who has um, a support person is very thankful that 65 years ago, 65 years ago, that's a long time ago. That's a very long time. Uh, a week-long celebration was organized, and there, and there was a specific day associated with it. And this year, it is, we already said it, tomorrow, which is uh, it's usually on the first, it's on the last full week in April. So whether in your prison, in your office, in your field office, they're known as secretaries, if they're known as receptionists, some call them clerical, others administrative professionals, Tomorrow is their day. You know, and they really are the unsung heroes uh, in our offices. So today, we're going to sung them. Sing them? Sung them? 
Uh, well, uh, we're not going to sing, but we are going to say thank you. Yes, uh, I've heard you sing before, Chris, and we're not going to sing. So let us, let us be the first to say thank you to our administrative support staff in, the, in, this, in this building, and hopefully everyone out there will do the same, for all you do in keeping us afloat. You know, but we really do need to get um, beyond thinking about this day as just one of, uh, day of recognition and instead turn it into daily recognition. I think that would be, um, be really nice, you know. So we wouldn't necessarily need Administrative Professionals Day if decades ago, you know, this profession wasn't looked down upon as something beneath other jobs in the office. That's really unfortunate that that's how it's uh, become, become to look. Right, you know, we're kind of light about this in the beginning here, kind of just joking around about um, some of the stuff, but you're, you're right. You know, we have this day. It's been established since the early early 50s, but it's not meant as a day to be patronizing or simply bring flowers or chocolates to uh, Sandy, which I'm sure you'll do. Uh, now, I, now I will. Exactly. Well, no, I actually, I won't. I won't, because <laughs> I'm going to listen to this podcast and I'm going to learn from us. It should be a reminder that you know, if you aren't already making these individuals feel appreciated in being part of the team, then obviously we are doing something wrong, and we need to make a change there. You know, that's exactly right. You know, we, we talked to several administrative professionals across our department uh, for their take on the day and what it means to them and what it would be like if we treated uh, every day as Administrative Professionals Day. I think for some people it's nice to hear that, those positive words. Some need it, some don't. And I know my office sometimes is so fast-paced that unfortunately during that moment, you, you know, somebody might forget, but then they're going to catch up to you some other time. That was Clara Reed. Clara's been with the department since 2012, and she is the office supervisor at the Pontiac Probation Office. Actually, Clara suggested this topic for the podcast, which is great. Yeah, see, the Ask Field Days hashtag actually works. People suggest a topic, and boom, here we are. So while we had her, we asked her what the day meant to her. Administrative Professionals Day is a day where we can recognize uh, the staff that we have that support uh, our agents and our supervisors and acknowledge their, their expertise and how significant their role are to, in playing with the function of the office. And on top of Claire, we, we also spoke with Miffer Griffin. Miffer, obviously, everyone knows here, um, but out, out, in the, out in the podcast world, Miffer is the Executive Secretary uh, to Deputy Director, CFA Deputy Director, Ken McKee. And Miffer started her career uh, in 1989 and has worked her way through many facilities, mostly in the, in the Ionia area, and in about, I don't know, almost two years ago now, I think, almost a year ago now, she was promoted to her current position as uh, the De- Deputy Director McKee's SEMA. A thank you really can go a long way. When someone hears that, it makes your day just to say, okay, yeah. they, they appreciated what I did and mm-hmm. makes you feel good. Yep, you did a good job. That could last me a year. We all love Miffer, and she's a friend of the pod. So, but but as as she pointed out just now, uh, there is so much more that goes into her day that's not part of the job description. My job is more than just typing or answering the phones and proofing documents. I think it's um, I need to keep my boss going and be supportive of him. I encourage him when he gets discouraged. I help him celebrate when he achieves a goal, and I always have his best interest at heart. And I'm his biggest cheerleader. And I do have a boss that does appreciate me every day, not just uh, one significant day, but um, I truly don't need a designated day to know that I'm one of the many cogs that helps the big wheel turn for corrections. Right, Chris. You know, that sentiment was echoed by the last person we spoke with, and that's Kent, Kent Williams. Kent is the Region 8, for in, out there in FOA, Region 8 
uh, region manager secretary. And Ken started with the DOC in 2003 after leaving the Secretary of State. And uh, like I said, now he's currently the region eight region manager secretary. You know, Kent very much understands his integral role uh, in the office and what he sees as the biggest role. I've always considered my biggest role is in support of uh, Region Manager Omar Alston. Uh, I, uh, the, my mantra is I want to take as much as I can off of Omar's plate so that he can do the job that he's paid to do. I, anything I see that, hey, you're doing that, it takes up a lot of your time, why don't you let me take that over? Or, or Omar will see something and say, hey, I've been doing this, can you take this over for me? Or if I see shortcuts or if I see better way of doing something, I'm, I'm always looking for those things to try and make free up time for my region manager so that he can do the, like I said, the job that he's paid for. You know, it, it was kind of cool because everyone that we spoke with said they already feel valued. And with Clara, you know, she's a little different in that while she not only has that role, she also has a staff of clerical workers. So she sees it from, from both sides. I have very dedicated people on my staff and you know they've taught me a lot coming in and I wouldn't know my job without them on my side. So I mean I appreciated everything that they did as I came in to the door brand new. I just wanted to let them know that they're not forgotten, they're not taken advantage of however they might feel. Um, they're appreciated and you know we've discussed this that our office cannot run without who I have with me. You know, Miffer's somewhat in the same boat. While the warden secretaries at each prison do not report directly to her, they all certainly work as a team, having her work with the deputy director. And, and there's no way that I could do my job if I didn't have the SEMAs for the assistant deputy directors and the warden secretaries doing what they're doing, because I can't be good without all of them. You know, that was a common theme as we talked with everyone about going above and beyond. And I'm still trying to figure out if this is a generational difference or if it's just a trait that is inherent um, in the quality of individuals that, that choose this line of work. You know, Kent talked about the need to do more in the office and, and the joy he finds in that aspect of the job. I do. That's, I, I'm the type of employee who is going to, uh, wherever I can, go above my job description. You have your job description, and that's, of course, what the minimum requirement of what you can do. But, and not even as an advancement or not for a recognition, just as a person, I feel that uh, I just like to keep myself engaged. I like to be pushing the envelope and I like to be doing new things. So that's why I'm always out there looking for that sort of stuff. And, and, and I, I enjoy helping my boss be successful. You can't, I've met people who are administrative support staff who, who are like, uh, just by the book, and I'm not going to do anything more than I have to, and I'm not going. I'm going to pace myself and only do what I have to do. And to me, that's boring. It's almost as much work trying to to not do work as it is to just do the work. And it's so much more interesting, and the day flies by. And so, it's it's partly personal. It's partly just uh, the way I think should things should be. And it's you know partly just uh, feeling like a part of the the team of the department. And we also talked to Kent about the, the gender issues in this role, and I thought that was a really interesting topic, uh, as this for many years has been a field predominantly with, with women in these positions, and I thought he had a really interesting take on, on that dynamic. When I'm out there in the field meeting people, and not just in our region, but I'm here in Lansing meeting people, you know, they automatically assume I'm a supervisor or, or something else, you know, and, uh, and when I tell them what I am, you kind of get this, this, you know, deer in the headlights, like, oh, you are? 
oh, you know, they're almost embarrassed that they made that mistake. You know, that is interesting because, you know, I, it, it may be a generational thing where, you know, the titles of, you know, or saying subordinates or a secretary or a clerical, you know, those may be, some may say old-fashioned terms and some of the younger generation may not prefer those terms, but, you know, he also talked about the stigma of the title, whether, you know, whether it's insulting to be called a, cler a secretary or clerical, um, but both our guests, Clara and Miffer, said they have no qualms about what they were referred to. Kent really didn't either, but he said it may be more that, uh, you know, that, that men would take these jobs if it wasn't called a secretary job. Basically, you know, if we called it a support staff position, you know, maybe more uh, males would be inclined to uh, apply for those jobs. You know, and some people say call, they just call secretary. You know, clerical doesn't bother me at all, but I understand the push to want to go to administrative support staff or... But really, uh, what it comes down to is that no matter what the position is called, you know, the position is important, and, and so is the need to recruit more people into this field. And, and Ken is hoping to see better ongoing training and education uh, for people that are hired or that move into these roles, having never done it before. That, that's an issue as well. Uh, well, the work group that, we're, uh, that I'm on for uh, developing the OJT for administrative support staff, uh, that's headed by Jackie Austin, and there's a group of us, uh, administrative support uh, staff around that are that are on that committee, and uh, we have kind of used as an outline the OJT that was that was used for FSAs and uh, agents, and it's really just for new staff. It's to get them on board. It's to teach them all the stuff they the basic tools they need to do the job. But my, what I was talking about earlier was that I feel that there's no continued education. For administrative support staff, and uh, we do lots of continued education for the, the, the agents in particular, and some for the supervisors, leadership training, and that sort of stuff. But I feel that we really uh, could use some training for the administrative support staff. Uh, for instance, just uh, using uh, Microsoft Office products. A lot of people just kind of muddle their way around in that stuff and figure stuff out. I, I think some direct training in that would be good. Um, writing and communication skills. I see a lot of bad emails uh, that are sometimes cause more trouble than than the problems they solve. So I think learning how to uh, compose and write better emails, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, record keeping and organization. I notice a lot of people struggle with that, where uh, you know, kind of stuff just sits in a pile sometimes. And uh, I think that some people could use a, a, some some help with that on how to organize better to find things. Uh, and to develop processes and interpersonal skills, conflict resolution. So uh, just dealing with people and uh, how to de-escalate conflicts and how to deal with people in a positive way and uh, uh, result-producing way that... Uh, right, there are definite skills needed to complete the tasks associated with these jobs. So we asked the experts in the field what they saw as the most important skills they need. I know for my, my office, being a, a good typist is a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, preparing all the reports, we, you've got to be able to, to understand the computer and formatting and um, being able to multitask, follow, you know, follow the deadlines, uh, to be able to, to, to pick up uh, where you left off two hours ago because a warrant could be coming through and you've got to get it done into court because it's an expedited. So to be able to transition somebody who... Um, somebody who can uh, be able to, to do go through the, the changes, the quick changes that we have 
um, you know, staffing. We could be short staff one day, and you think you're going to do something one day, and next thing you know, you come in the next day, and you're you've moved because of that. So that person has to be able to adjust to the the quick changes that happen within our office. I'd say a positive attitude has a lot to do with it. You sometimes get some things that might not be your favorite thing to do, but if you have a good attitude about it and say, okay, I got through this day and it was a good day, I learned something new, that has a lot to do with it too. I truly didn't think this was going to be my career, but the more I got involved in new people and I think that I love learning something new every day. I, I think that's one of my key phrases I say a lot is I love to learn new things, I like to improve myself. These are important and, and great jobs, and there is room for growth once you're there. I tell them being a, um, a, a clerical in our office is a good foundation if to, to grow. I mean, you can be an agent. We have PSI writers. We have supervision. We have court liaisons. There is growth if you want it, you know, and it's just how bad do you want it? You know, and that's the thing. There's a difference of talking about it and doing about it. So it's there. The opportunities are definitely there. Um, and then supervisors, there's supervisor roles, and then so forth. So I think coming in, in my office specifically as a, a WPA, could lead up to a great career for, for that person. Well, Chris, this, this really is an important day. I, I'm glad that we are you know, taking time to highlight this, and thanks for Clara. Thanks to Clara for, for suggesting this. Um, but more importantly, I hope we've impressed upon everyone that there doesn't necessarily need to be a day to have the celebration. If we just work every day to make sure everyone who works in our offices and in our prisons feel appreciated and valued as part of the team, then that's the most important thing. That's right. As Mifford said, a simple thank you can go a long way. As always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.